0: Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. Um, Lord, we're trusting that our hearts would be softened and tender, and our eyes would just perceive the spiritual truths that our hearts desperately need, Lord, help us to come back to you and, and, and listen to your words and, and really um, just learn again how to just abide with you and dwell with you and be with you and be content. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' and we pray. Amen. Hello? 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 Am I on? There we go. What's up, guys? I got to put my old man glasses on so I could see. So, um, if you guys want to turn in your Bibles to Acts uh, seventeen, and this was uh, just actually by coincidence that, like, in my quiet time, I had been in Acts seventeen, and the last place we left off in our Acts series was in Acts seventeen, so it really works out, man. So. Um, but, uh, hold on, I got my notes all on my phone, but good thing I have a humongous phone, so it works out. Yeah, so, um, so next week, actually, we're going to be getting back into our ACT series. Brandon's going to be picking that back up. We've been out of it for a few months, and so he asked me to do uh, a quick uh, recap of what we've seen so far in Acts, kind of a timeline and whatnot. And so, um, so real quick, uh, you guys can stay where you're at. You don't have to jump around. I'm just going to explain it to you. So that means you got to pay attention real good, okay? So I'm going to try and go as fast as I can, which isn't very fast. I cannot read very fast. Um, all right, so uh, Acts. Uh, is written by Luke, uh, acts is a transitional book, uh, moving from a works-based faith directed towards Jewish people, otherwise known as God's chosen people, right, uh, to a grace-based uh, faith centered around the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's directed towards the whole world, right, uh, which would otherwise be known as the Gentiles, anybody who's not a Jew, uh, right. And so... In Acts 1, we see Jesus meeting with his disciples post resurrection uh, in order to prepare them for his departure as well as the mission of taking the gospel to the nations. Uh, Their instruction is to wait on the Holy Spirit to fill them in order to move forward in the mission. And Jesus tells them in verse 8, he says, uh, Verse 8 of of chapter 1, he says, uh, But ye shall receive power. Uh, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, these were Jesus's parting words to these, to these men before he went and ascended up into heaven, right? And um, so from this point, as we go forward, we get to see and be witnesses of the miracles that these apostles performed in the power of the Holy Ghost, in the power of the Holy Spirit working through them. And, but even more miraculous than the things and the miracles that they did, we see uh, salvations happening at an astonishing rate. We see people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? And that's an incredible. That's, that's the most miraculous thing uh, that anybody's ever going to see until we're in heaven with Jesus Christ, seeing someone's life transformed into uh, a child of God is is incredible. And so, moving forward, we got the main characters that we've seen so far that we follow through uh, the majority of Acts is a man named Peter and and then a man named Paul. And Peter, uh, towards the beginning of of the book of Acts, uh, we get to see his journey uh, as he uh, endeavors to minister to Jewish people. His, his, his entire mission is bent towards ministering to the Jewish people, uh, because again, these are God's chosen people, and they, they are, and they always have been, and they will be, and that's just what it is, and so Peter is very focused on that, and as of right now, it's not, salvation is not extended to the Gentile world, right, and so Peter's main focus is that, and, uh, we see that happening up until uh, we see Stephen enter the picture in chapters 6 and 7, where Stephen is uh, he's preaching to the Jewish people, and he's preaching uh, that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all the prophecy that their scriptures had uh, spoken of in the Old Testament, right? Um, he's calling out their generational sin, their historical sin, the things that, that the Jewish people as a whole have rejected God, uh, he's calling them out on this, and it makes them very mad, furious, in fact, to the point where they decide, we have to do away with this guy, we have to kill him, and so they stone him to death, right? And uh, so they kill this righteous man, and and funny enough, how many of you guys know when Satan makes a move, uh, God is already five steps ahead of what Satan is doing, so he's he does this thing, thinking I'm going to quench the, the, the fervor of these people by killing Stephen, and in turn, God says, okay, I'm going to enact my plan then to bring the Jewish people to jealousy by extending salvation to the Gentile world, right? And so, not only are, is God's plan still to win the hearts of the Jewish people, but now, praise God, we non-Jewish people, praise God, we have now the ability to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. That, ex- that has been extended to us. And it's only because of somebody else's unbelief. I, it makes me think of uh, the man who was let down through the roof in Mark. And he was, Jesus was perfectly okay leaving that man paralyzed. He was perfectly fine doing it. And that wasn't what initially happened. He came down and he says, you know, because of your faith, man, your sins are forgiven. And the guy, as far as we know, he didn't object. He was very pleased with the fact that like, God had forgiven him of his sins. And it wasn't until the unbelief of the people around him that Jesus said, all right, now you can stand up and walk. And we are in that position. We were the paralyzed man. We were the people that were broken, and we didn't have any hope. And because someone else didn't believe, now we get the chance to get up and walk. We get a chance to get up and live Uh, a normal life in terms of uh, having salvation, right? So, man. But, okay, so this brings in uh, arguably the most valuable player that we see in the New Testament outside of Jesus Christ himself, and that's uh, uh, Saul Saul of Tarsus, otherwise known as Paul the Apostle, right? So, So our first glimpse into the life of Paul is in Acts 7, verse 58, he's holding the clothes of the men who were stoning Stephen. He's like, here, let me hold your jacket so you can get a better toss in there. You're, you look kind of stifled in your throat. Let me get that jacket from you so you can hit him harder with those rocks. Messed up, dude. And in uh, verse 3 uh, of Acts, Acts chapter uh, 8, it says, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering into every house, uh, and, ent- uh, and hailing men and women, committing, uh, committed them to prison. So uh, this guy is a bad dude. This is the, I mean, he's, he calls himself the chiefest of sinners uh, later on in the scriptures. And I, man, it's, sometimes I'm like, man, he might be right. <laughs> he was a bad dude. Uh, I mean, sin is sin, you know, so you can't, whatever. Uh, but he was a bad dude, but... However, we get to see in the very next chapter, after it's describing this man as such a wicked dude who's persecuting the church, we see him encounter Jesus Christ like nobody else has ever been able to encounter Jesus Christ. He shows up as he's on his way to go and persecute more Christians. He shows up to to Saul on the road to Damascus, and he, he says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And immediately, Saul can admit this is God. I don't know, you know, he's like... He doesn't know his name. He doesn't know what exactly the presence is standing before him. He knows it's God, though. And he says, who art thou? And he says, it's me, Jesus of Nazareth, the one who thou persecutest. And he says, well, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. This whole life that you've been trying to live, you've made your whole life so much harder because you're kicking against the actual direction that you're supposed to be going. Uh, the kicking against the pricks, is, it's a, a herder and he's, 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 gearing, he's, he's showing the way that these cattle should be going. And when they stray, the pricks are right there. So when they turn, ah, that's not right. I need to stay straight. And that's what Paul was doing. He was constantly trying to buck the authority that God had given him, right? And so from this point on, uh, this wicked man who was used by Satan to persecute the church we see Jesus, his own testimony, Jesus, his own testimony of this man is that he is going to be a, a vessel used to reach the entire Gentile world. Man, if that doesn't give you hope that anybody can be saved, that no one is past, like, being redeemed, I don't know what will. You're a hard, you're a hard heart. If, if you think, like, there's somebody, oh, no, I know somebody who, like, he could never get saved. Uh, man. I was that guy, I know I was that guy in people's lives, that they thought, man, if that guy just knew Jesus, man, but that's probably not going to happen, there was a guy in one of my, we had to do this like 30 minutes of reading in one of our like periods in high school, and uh, for some reason, I just started like bringing my Bible, I had no intention of actually obeying it, but I would just read my Bible, I don't know why, it was just cultural, I don't know, (laughs) it's like my family does this. And there was this guy, and he was so excited to see me reading my Bible because he had hope. He saw hope that God's word was going to change my life. And it did, eventually. Uh, But when I got saved, that guy saw it on Facebook, and he lost his mind. (laughs) So, anyway, there's a lot of things that kind of uh, are in there. There's a lot more detail uh, and I encourage you, though, all those sermons are on our website. And I encourage you, just this week, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And uh, I realize, like, man, I could also listen to sermons. Just, like, just, you know, just listen to sermons, too. Because sometimes some stuff is interesting, but then I'm just like, I feel so empty after a podcast sometimes. I'm like, man, specifically this guy named Joe Rogan. I don't know if you guys ever heard him. And actually, this is going to be my main point. No, just kidding. No, the guy, it's just, you hear how lost people talk, and you're just like, man, you're searching for hope. You're searching searching for uh, an answer, and it's Jesus Christ. And you can hear it in their conversation. And so, anyway, God just convicted me, and I was listening to uh, throughout this series, just catching up on the Acts series, so you just get prepared for this. And uh, you can listen to, like, four sermons in, like, half of your day at work if, you know, that's what I did. It's pretty cool. Anyway, so... Uh, that's, that was all just to catch us up to where we're at. We also happen to just be in Acts, so that helps, uh, but I'm kind of going back over some of the stuff right now, uh, in 17 that Brandon already covered, uh, just for me from a different perspective, and so, uh, I'm excited to get to, to talk about it and share with you what God has shown me, right? So, uh, I'm gonna pray real quick, and then we'll get into it. Uh, Father, I just thank you so much, uh, God for salvation, God, I thank you for the, the privilege that it is to be able to be called your child and to, to know that, uh, God, even though I didn't see myself as worth getting, receiving your salvation, I don't, I man, I, like Jeff was saying in first service, who am I that the, the God of this universe would even care about me at all? But God, you say that you'd even know the number of hairs on my head. And uh, God, it hurts because I my the way I reciprocate my love to you is so lopsided. And uh, but God, you're so good. And uh, God, everywhere we fall short is where where you're strong in our lives. And so, Father, I'm praying that you would just uh, be with me today as I share this uh, this word. And uh, God, just move me out of the way. God, speak through me. And I pray that um, if nothing else, if if nothing is. Uh, profitable other than just that you're glorified. Uh, God, let it be, and so, Father, I love you, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, actually, before I get started, I also wanted to pray for Mark. We need to be praying for Mark Trotter. Uh, Mark, uh, if you guys haven't heard, which it's been kind of going around, Mark uh, has been struggling with bladder cancer uh, and then recently he had been having some shoulder issues and goes in and, and it turns out that there was some, some cancer in his shoulder. And so if you, uh, if you know Mark, you know that Mark is a man that's full of faith. Um, uh, if I know anyone who's, who's not afraid to, to meet his Savior, it's Mark. And so um, we don't want to be fearful. We want to be hopeful. Um, but uh, yeah, we just need to lift him up. I'm going to pray real quick again real quick for him. Uh, Father, I just, uh, I also wanted to lift up our brother Mark, Uh, God, he's so influential, been so influential in in all of our lives, whether we know it or not, he's influenced our ministries in such huge ways, and God, you've used him mightily, God, you brought him from a life of uh, just wickedness and and just self-serving, God, to a man that's now the majority of his life has been dedicated to uh, your mission and to your business, God. And so, Father, I just pray that you would just be with that man, that you'd be with uh, his family, uh, that you would just encourage them, that you would give them hope, that you, know, that you would give them a peace that passes all understanding, Father. And, that, and overall, God, selfishly, we're asking that you would heal him. We're asking that, that the, the God who created this body, uh, we know that if anyone can fix it, you can. And so we're, we're, uh, we're hopeless. We don't, have, we don't have the ability to do anything. We're helpless, God but we have all the hope that we can in you uh, doing a work in his life. And so, Father, I just pray that you would just be with him. Uh, Lord, we love you, and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, uh, the title of this sermon is uh, As His Manner Was. And uh, really, what it is, and it's flowed really well with, like, the the worship, that song, uh, Nothing Else, Uh, you guys just just need to go home keep listening to that song, and uh, it'll start tugging on your heartstrings. But um, really what it is, has been is that it, this, is, this is my realization that the, the reputation that I, I try so hard to obtain sometimes doesn't line up with the reputation that God says matters, right? And so what we're going to really be talking about tonight, or today, is, is like, man do you, who do you care what thinks, like, whose who's opinion in your, in your life matters the most? Are you more concerned with how you look, how you're perceived to your brothers, to your sisters, to your pastors, uh, more than you are how you're perceived in Christ's eyes, right? And man, um, I, I can't think of a better example of somebody who had to let go of their, their identity as, as drastically as Paul, um, I mean obviously the disciples they dropped their nets they, they forsook them immediately and they ran to Jesus and all that and that's that's awesome they had a lot less to lose uh, in terms of like their status in their life and the the amount of time that it had spent Paul to build up this reputation and, and, and uh, this this status in his life uh, and when when Christ showed up to him, he realized how quickly it was just like, man, now this whole old life of mine just looks disgusting. And, and he, he turned, uh, he, he repented and turned. Repenting just simply means to turn away from. He turned away and he, he went hard, fast towards Jesus Christ. And so, um, man, my, my hope is that through this look at Paul's life, um, that we would gain the ability uh, to let go of our hope of being seen by our pastors and leaders and cling to the joy that we should have that we're seen by Christ. Um, yeah, this is something I think God has been working on in me, honestly, my entire walk. And the entire time I've been saved, I wrestle with uh, my emotions in terms of, you know, uh, depression or or excitement over the wrong things and whatnot, whatnot, and it really all stems back to the fact that I'm doing these things in my flesh. It really comes back to the fact that I'm, I'm reading my Bible so that the next time John Kittler asks me, "Hey, what do you, what do you, what's God been showing you? So that I can have something to say. Instead of like, man, I just want to spend time with God. And when someone asks me that question, I can say what God's been showing me because, man, I just, I just was spending time with God. You know? So, all right. So as we get into it, uh, I'm going to start. Actually, you guys don't need to turn there. I got most of the verses, I think, up here. Uh, but in Philippians 3, verses 4 through 8, this is Paul's testimony of himself. Right, his 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 recount of how he was. Right. It says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, uh, touching the righteousness uh, which is in the law, blameless. Uh, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Um, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I might win Christ. Man, uh, that is an acknowledgment of His sin. I don't know what you guys were hearing, but that is an acknowledgment that his, his whole life up to this point, his entire identity that he had built for himself meant nothing. He actually says it, he, it's like dung. It's like poop. It's crap. It, it literally is as worthless as the feces that left his body, is what he's saying. Right? So, all right, so that's, that's pretty much Paul's testimony of himself. So he, he realized that he was being proud, arrogant, selfish. And downright wicked at sometimes. Right? And, and we even see, again, like I said in the, in the preface, we see Paul even, you know, uh consenting to the, the stoning of Stephen. He wasn't just a passive player in the persecuting of God's church. He was about it. And he was about it because he was building his identity in the world. Um, guys, there's believers. From the Old Testament. There's people who absolutely trusted that the prophecies that, that were in the Old Testament were pointing to a Savior, and that one day that Savior would come, and he would live a perfect life, and he would die for the sins of the whole world. People believed that, and those people that believed that, even though they never got to see Jesus Christ, man, they held on to that truth until the day they died, and when they died, and when Jesus Christ came as, the, as God to earth lived the perfect life. He fulfilled all those things. When he went into the grave, he was like, come on, fellas, let's get out of here. And he took them back to heaven. That's it. And Paul could have been one of these dudes. He could have been of that elk of people that saw those prophecies. He saw the truth of God's word. He'd seen how God had been faithful. And he could have said, I'm going to trust that there is a Savior. And I'm going to look for that Savior. uh, And when he comes, I'm going to be behind him wholeheartedly. And instead, Paul's whole identity was built around himself. They had all those resources. They didn't need the whole picture to know that this was going to be true. And Paul knew that same thing. And instead of that, he, he, he built it his whole life on trying to be this uh, political player, this, uh, this very highly respected person, right, in, in the world. Um, but man, yeah, so he was a messed up dude, but you know what? So so was I. So were you. And, uh, man, Paul makes that so clear. Um, so, uh, here, actually, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't until, it actually wasn't until Christ interrupted his life completely. Like, I mean, he, he made him blind. I'll let you know. Uh, it wasn't until Christ interrupted his life to inform Paul that the God he had been serving this whole time was himself. Man, I got to explain that to my nephew uh, just a few weeks ago uh, on Christmas. Because uh, I just, I recently did, I just got a tattoo of Acts chapter 9, of Paul meeting Christ on the road to Damascus. It was when my nephew is like seven, he's like, what's that about? And so I got to explain to him this story. and I, And he was able to articulate, like, oh, so he was thinking he was working for God, but he, was, he wasn't. He was working against God. I'm like, whoa, dude. That's pretty, that's little Troy. Uh, some of you guys might have seen him. He runs around here sometimes. Um, so in Acts uh, chapter 9, uh, verses three through, 3 through 6, it says, and as he journeyed, so the preface is this right here. This is Paul's testimony. This is how he came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul had gotten, or Saul at the time, had, had received uh, permission from the chief magistrates to go to Damascus and take as many people, any, as many Christians as he could as slaves or, or just kill them. And he, he had this permission. It'd be like, I mean, getting a governmental approval to go in and just take slaves. And, and I mean, this is what Paul is going to do. So he's like, cool. Um, so he's on his way and it says, and as he journeyed, He came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And it was this, this was his transforming moment. This was when he realized that he was seeking approval from his leaders, he was he was seeking praise of his peers, and he was seeking the submission of of the people following him. And man, if you look at the adverse of that, of what it could have been, it could have been he he could have been looking for the approval of God, and he could have been looking to praise God, and he could have been looking to submit to God instead of everything being focused in on him and all those things that should have been attributed to God he was, he was like man I want those things what does that sound like it sounds like Satan right that sounds like what brought about the fall of Satan and, and uh, man it sure as heck brought about the fall of of Paul right I didn't mean to rhyme that man maybe I should come to the spoke right <laughs> okay um so, anyway, so, uh, so one of the things that Paul realized was that he was making his life way harder than it needed to be. And at this point, when Jesus actually showed up to him, he was actually blind uh, because of Jesus showing up to him. He was such a bright light. He just was like, bam. And, and Saul was, was blinded for three days, it says. And, uh, man, that is an inconvenience, at least, uh, I would say. That is very inconvenient. Um, and it caused him where he was trying to be this powerful guy and just like make all these things happen. Uh, he had to be led by hand to Damascus to meet this man named Ananias who prayed for him and re- re- like healed his sight, right? Uh, but he, it was, he was so humbled in that moment. Um, man, there's some people, in, like, I, I, I think that's it's what happened to me. I was humbled real quick. Very quickly, I was like, the fear of God was put in me that made me realize, like, oh, my goodness, I need to get right with, with Jesus. <laughs> I said it, it, man, the moment that I was, like, at the lowest point of my life, I was around some, some of my friends. At the time, we were sitting in a car, and something awful had just happened, and I was like, guys, I need to get right with Jesus. And they were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I didn't even know what I was talking about at the time, but I knew God was working in me. Um, and actually, those guys are saved now, too, completely separate from me, like, all those guys are following Jesus Christ with their lives, we all got arrested together, just so you know, like, all those guys, all those guys follow Jesus Christ, just saying, pretty cool, God's power is pretty powerful, I'm saying, so, uh, all right, so, and in Acts 9, 21 and 22, it says, But all that heard him were amazed and said, this is, this is after Paul's salvation, he goes, and he just immediately gets into the mission. He immediately starts doing this work. And it says, uh, But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called uh, on this, this name in Jerusalem and, and came hither... Uh, for that intent that he might bring them, about, uh, bring them bound under the chief priest. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews with, which dwelt in Damascus, proving this very Christ. Man, so what's happening is he, he gets to see, he gets to meet these other disciples. His reputation at this point is still terrifying. Rightfully so. These people were absolutely aware of who this man was. This was not a new guy to them. This was a man who was actively pursuing uh, the destruction of Christians. So they knew who he was. They were freaked out, rightfully so. I'd be kind of freaked out too. Uh, But Paul, where he could have, he could have made some kind of defense, right? He could have, like, attempted to, you know, be like, no, guys, I'm really not, like, that guy anymore. Promise, I swear, I'm really not that guy anymore. Like, no, he... He honestly just got to work, and God proved it in him. He didn't waste his time trying to convince these people like that, man, my walk is true. Man, I know when I got saved, I mean, I was trying to, there was a part of me that was, like, on fire. I was ready to fight anybody who questioned my faith. I was like, yeah. My brother one time, like, tried to be like, dude, why not you going to church? And I was like, I'm just trying to stay home and read my Bible. And uh, he was like, dude, I thought you were a Christian. I was like, Bro, get out of my way. <laughs> I love Jesus. And uh, that was my flesh, but Paul didn't do that. Praise God. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and, and it even expounds on it here in, in Acts 9:26 and 27 it says, "And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed he to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, and believed not that he was a disciple, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and, and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Even then, even in the proving of who he was, he wasn't the one doing it. He had completely let go of who he was. He was like, you can think that. I got something more important to do. You can think that. But his brother stood, stood up for him and, and you know, was like, hey no guys, this dude's legit now. Um, and so, uh, again, I'm going to keep repeating this kind of phrase, and as I repeat it, I kind of want you to think of what you want your reputation to be. Which one? Like, what do you care about so much that that's what, when people say, as his manner was, Nick was a funny guy. It's like, man, is this, you know, these, you know, like, as his manner was, like, Micah was like a, a, a cool, handsome-looking dude, right? <laughs> No, it's like, man, I want you guys to be asking yourself these questions of like, man, what would someone say of me? What would God say of me, right? And so as his manner was, Paul was about the mission, right? And so key point number one is that you don't have to worry about proving yourself if you're being, if you're being faithful to the mission that's in front of you. Paul wasn't consumed with the insecurities of this world, he wasn't consumed by what people thought of him necessarily. He wasn't consumed with the thought of like, man, am I living up to Brandon's expectations? No, he was consumed with God's mission. He was consumed with, with the heart of what God wanted in his life. And that he, he got a hold of it and he went with it, man. And that's, man, we need to be doing that same thing. Um... All right, so moving on. Now, we are actually where you guys are at in the Bible, uh, Acts 17. Uh, This is Luke's testimony of Paul. Acts 17, verse uh, 1 through 4, it says, Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and uh, Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them. And three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures opening and alleging that Christ must needs uh, have suffered and risen again from the dead and that this Christ, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ and some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks a great multitude and of chief women not a few <laughs> and so one thing is man we're always the harshest critics on ourselves uh, we we can often we tear ourselves. I mean, Ryan and I were joking about this yesterday. How quickly we are to like jab at ourselves in order to like unintentionally, but like kind of intentionally, get someone to be like, "Dude, no, you're actually really good at that thing." I was like, "Okay, you know, like you kind of like waiting for you know, I'm like no man, you're so good." I'm like, "Okay, whatever." Um, but it is cool to see uh, Paul be honest about where he was. I don't think he was exaggerating the state of where he was. I think he genuinely was that bad of a dude. Um, but it's also really cool to see uh, the testimony from an outside perspective of what this man looked like now. So Luke, uh, the man who, who wrote this, who God used to write the book of Acts, right? This is His, his testimony is... Uh, as his manner was, there goes Paul again, preaching the gospel, you know, and this is such a stark contrast to what we had seen previously uh, in, in terms of Paul's reputation, his testimony, whereas we just went from this guy who his reputation was that he was a scary, you know, mean dude who was killing Christians, to somehow in just a few chapters, we see this, now his testimony is like, oh, of course there's Paul preaching the gospel, there he is. Where's Paul? Oh, he's preaching the gospel, of course. You know, and there's people like that in this ministry. I'm gonna be honest. I look up to, I look up to Andrew Wong, and I see how he works, and I, I can see like the heart that like when he's talking to someone out in public, you can just tell he's just like, how do I get this back to Christ? How you know, that you can see that heart in people, and uh, man, but I'm thankful that, that uh, we have those examples. But this is this is Paul's testimony now. And that's kind of what we're going to look at for the rest of the time. Is just how did he get to this point, where his testimony was one so wicked to now uh, a a righteous man who was seeking after these right things, right? So, um, so we see that Paul is now in this place, and we have to admit though that this is not by accident. This is no. This isn't just like. You know, I just fell into this type of life. No. Like, Paul, people had miraculous experiences with God. They've had those in the past. And uh, then they eventually get over it. How many of you guys can 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 relate to the thought of the fact, the fact that, like, in some ways, we've kind of gotten over our salvation? Have you ever been in that place where you're like, why am I not excited? Usually that looks like you see someone else excited about their, their salvation, and you're like, why are they so happy? Brian Clark talked about that. It's like, man, when you see someone else like, excited about the things of God, and it kind of bugs you, man, that's probably a good sign that you've, you've strayed away from like, the joy of salvation. Uh, and that miraculous thing that happened where God took you, and he transformed your life, gave you a new life, a new identity, You've gotten over that. That's probably a good sign that something needs to be reevaluated in your life. Um, But Paul Paul didn't get over it. He struggled, and he's honest with us about that. In Romans 7, we're all familiar with, you know, I do those things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I do want to do. And there's warring. There's a, a flesh and a spirit inside of me that are warring constantly the entire time, Paul is still moving forward. Like, I don't know if any of you guys were, like, under the, in, like, impression that you were going to just move through this walk, like, unhindered. But, like, you're not. Like, you're going to meet opposition, whether that's external or internal. You're going to meet opposition. And Paul met that opposition, but was still diligent about moving forward in his faith. And, and uh so it's not by accident. He was able, you know, so at the beginning of when he gets saved, it does say that he, he confounds these, these Jewish people. He's still, like, able to, like, he knows what God did in his life. And that was enough to confound these people that had spent their whole life, like, dedicating their life to, like, knowing God's word. All it took was Paul knowing what God did in his life over the last, like, couple years for him to be like, man, I honestly, I don't know much about that topic, but I know what God did in my life. And so I, that's just almost like a side note that like, man, I don't care where you're at. There's no level of level of Christianity that excludes you from from being able to preach truth that what God did in your life. Right. But he went from that point to this point where he was able to reason with these guys out of the scriptures for three days. Dude, right now my mouth is sticky and dry because I've been talking for like 15 minutes. And then Paul, I mean, Paul was so dedicated to God's word that he was able to, to, to spend three days talking about this thing that was, that was so important to him that he had spent, he forgot everything else, all his life, all the, all the, like, accolades that he had gained, and all the things that he had been working up to, he threw that away so that he could dedicate his life to God's Word, so that he could go on God's mission, and be effective where he was at, and he was literally able to spend three days, I mean, I've been in conversations with people, and I'm like, I don't know what else to say, man, faith, dude, you know, like, you're gonna have to, at some point, you're gonna have to have faith, you know, like, that's true. There's nothing wrong with, like, being able to say that and, that, and you don't have to have an answer for everything. You don't have to be the, that's actually unwise for you to, like, be in a conversation and try and make up some answer. No, it's actually wise to just be like, oh, let me spend some time in God's Word, and then I'll, let's talk about this again. Paul didn't necessarily have to do that. He spent three days talking to these people because he had dedicated his whole life to God's Word, right? Man, if, if I just had an, like a sliver of like what Paul was like after, what would my life look like? What would like, what would my faith look like? It would be so different. He took 2 Timothy 2.15 very seriously. Study to show thyself approved. Unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He, he honed in on his craft. He, he refined it. And he proved himself to God, knowing, saying, God, you are worthy of me dedicating my life to this. And, and if this is the thing that you have me to do, I'm going to prepare as hard as I can in order to, to show up ready for the work. If I go to work, I, I work at a mechanic shop, like right? So I'm, if I show up and I don't have any tools, they're going to be like, do you even really want to work here? I'm like, no, seriously, I do. Like I'm, I don't have any tools. I'm like, honestly, I don't believe you. <laughs> like that's just what it is. I'm not ready for the work. If that's the case, right? All right. So, but just to point out, Paul wasn't as concerned with his standing with his brothers as he was about knowing God's word and about knowing, you know, God intimately. And back to even like what I said earlier, of like, man, are you spending time with God? so that the next time someone, you know, asks you, like, hey, man, what's God showing you in the Word? So that you can have something. Are you, are you, is the only time you're spending time with God maybe, like, 10 minutes before discipleship or, like, 10 minutes before Bible study so that you can have, like, something to say so that everyone's not like, man, that guy seems like he's not doing well? Is that what you're worried about? Like, is everybody, like, looking at you and being like, this guy must be... You he must be struggling, dude. He didn't say anything. Like, man, what are you concerned about? (laughs) And so uh, as his manner was, Paul was about God's word, right? And so key point number two is how about we learn God's word so that we're effective in sharing the gospel and not to impress our peers or our pastors? Like, it's such a simple thing. Uh, and again, I'm preaching to myself. I'm not, like, calling you guys out on this. I'm saying that to myself because so much of my walk is, like, based around, like, man, I really hope Brandon, like, knows, uh, that I'm doing good. (laughs) Or, like, something stupid. Or just, like, man, I really hope my Bible study guys that are, like, in my Bible study that look up to me, I hope they don't think that they're being led by an idiot, what? (laughs) Like, like these dudes love me. They care about me. Like, I know I have true friends that aren't, like, they don't, they don't think that about me. But in my mind, I can take myself to a place where that's my main concern, instead of, like, what does God have to say uh, to me? Um, And again, these are all just crucial to, to how Paul got to the place he was. He wasn't concerned with defending himself. He wasn't concerned with having to prove himself to these people. He wanted to prove himself to God. He wanted to be put into the mission. He wanted to be put into the work because he knew it was that important. He wanted to dedicate himself to God's word because he knew it was crucial to being a part of that work. It was a a rational, uh, it was a logical series of events where he was saying, oh, my life was worthless. My life... Is now now has a new purpose. In order to fulfill that new purpose, I need to be a, a part of God's mission. And in order to be a part of God's mission, I need to be in God's Word. I have nothing in and of myself to offer this world uh, outside of the Word of God. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing, and Paul knew that. He wasn't just like making it like this, like romantic like saying that like could be quoted later. He meant that. <laughs> he was like, I have seen what my flesh can do and it's awful. Have you have have I fully acknowledged like man, I have seen what my flesh can do, what my flesh is capable of. And honestly, even to the, I don't even know if I've fully seen what my flesh is capable of. And that's only because the love of Jesus Christ has been in my life now for the last 8 years. I, I Unhindered, I know that I would be so far away. Like if, if the Holy Spirit wasn't in me, convicting me of my sin, man, honestly, I'd probably be dead or in prison at this point. Like not not exaggerating. It's where, it's where I'd be. So that's, man, we have to see those logical steps of where Paul was getting to. And so moving on, down in verse 16 of Acts 17, it says, uh, Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. Uh, when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry, therefore, he dis- therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and, and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Um... Paul had the reputation that he had, um, but see, because he had the one thing that should be at the top of all of our lists of things to obtain in this world, and that's God's heart. He had God's heart, and man, when you have God's heart, you see things differently. Do you guys in gym class when you're like, did you ever guys put those drunk goggles on? You saw the world differently, right? And they tried to have you like shoot a basketball and you're like, ugh, I can't, can't do it. Actually, recently I just bought some some very cool glasses that have mirrors on them so you can be looking straight but looking down. Best purchase of 2020, I'd say. <laughs> right? It's pretty cool. It's so that you can be uh incredibly lazy and you can like lay on a couch and watch TV like this. <laughs> I had to give them away because it was just ruining my life. I gave them to my mother-in-law <laughs> so it could ruin her life. Now, she was like, I can read like this. It was really funny she put them on and was like, oh, yeah, this is so good. Like, I was like, that's not, don't act like it's actually working good. <laughs> but anyway, so, so Paul, Paul had a different perspective. He, he was able to see things the way God saw them, because he had God's heart. When he looked out on the city, he was destroyed about what he saw, and man, it wasn't because it, like, directly affected his life. He saw a lot of wicked stuff. I mean, he eventually got killed for his faith, if you didn't know that. Spoiler alert, Paul gets murdered, Uh, and But he wasn't, that wasn't his point. That's not the thing that like hurt him. He wasn't like, oh no, these people are so wicked, they're going to mess me up. He was saying, these people are so given over to the idolatry of this world. Uh, And he was seeing their souls destined to hell. And that is what pushed him forward in his walk. That is the thing that like, because he had God's heart, he was able to continue moving forward. He was able to continue seeing people the way that God saw them. And sheesh, I mean, do I see? That's something that we genuinely have to ask God for. Say, God, give me a, a heart that hates the things that you hate and a heart that loves the things that you love. Because, like Brian Clark was talking about over Mission Focus, if we're just being honest with ourselves, in the flesh, we love the way sin makes us feel. We love it. So when, he, so when we look out on the city, is it enticing you or is it stirring your heart to, to go and minister to them? Or is it like, oh man, actually that'd be kind of fun. Psalm 73 is actually my favorite psalm. And it's a psalm of Asaph. Uh, Kendall and Natalie, I don't know if they're here, but their son's name is Asaph. I wanted to name one of my kids Asaph, but I feel like it's too late now. But... Um, Asaph is just being honest. He's saying, You know, I was looking at the world and I saw that they were profiting. I saw that the way that they were living was resulting in blessing for them, in, in, at least in a worldly sense. And um, he's saying, God, my feet almost slipped, almost went into it. It was very enticing. He said, It wasn't until I went in and I stepped into the sanctuary of God and I realized their end realized that the, the path that they were on was leading to destruction. And uh, that's when he he was like, whoa, I mean, and I can relate to that. There's definitely times where I look at the lost world's life, and I think, man, that would be a lot easier to just live like that, to just like not feel the conviction of like sinning, or to just be able to go and do this thing without feeling bad later, or or to just like leave church and go get a good job that I can, I can work on Sundays and I can make a lot more money. Man, that's enticing. That is. But when you have God's heart, you can see those things for what they are. And you can see the path that they're putting you on and it's leading to destruction. And man, Asaph saw it. Paul saw it. He knew he, man, he saw that these things were not something to be desired. And man, I pray that that would be the heart of everybody in this room, is that we would see our sin for what it is. It's not something to be desired. It's not something to to entertain. It's not something to, to feed. It's something that we need to cast away. That's a vain imagination, all those things. That's what Asaph realized, is that those were vain imaginations that he could cast down. When he reckoned that, when he aligned himself with God's heart, it was not hard for him. When he saw how God saw those things, he was like, oh man... Good thing my feet didn't... He was standing on the edge of like a slippery slope and was like, "Ooh." He was flirting with the edge of sin, with the edge of falling into a life of sin. And he was like, no, it's not worth it. Um, and and that, that comes, that kind of heart mentality comes having spent time with God. Just really what it is. In Philippians 2, 5 and 7, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. No reputation. Who, who could have had a reputation out of anybody? It'd be Jesus, right? And he decided, I don't need one. I don't need a reputation. I'm coming to save souls. He said, of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And uh, part A of that, that, those verses, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. That only happens through sitting down, putting away the distractions, being quiet, and listening to the voice of God through this word. That's how you get God's heart. When you have God's heart, you see the things, you see the world the way God sees it. You look at a city, you can look at Kansas City and see, like, man, these people, and I mean, especially right now, Right? I mean we're looking at our at our country and we're looking at and I'm like I'm disgusted. I hear people saying that all the time, I'm like, oh I'm so disgusted with what's going on. Can't believe it. We're going downhill. America's lost. Like this is I mean and instead of like seeing it that way, look at those people as souls. Whether you agree with their political stance or not. Ask God for a heart for those people. Because you know it's not gonna change them. Uh, legislation, uh, laws, that's not going to change that person's heart. What's going to change that person's heart? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that Jesus Christ died for that person's sins. I don't know if I'm saying anything new to you guys. I think this is like stuff that we know conceptually, uh, but when we're, being, when we're operating in our flesh, it's very easy to get to that point where we get bitter at the world. We, we look at them and we're disgusted with them. Uh, I was, I was convicted years ago when Ryan and Victoria, they started Bible studies on the art institute, at the art institute, because I had lost two disciples so far at that point to the art institute in terms of, they wanted to care about their art more than they wanted to care about uh, their relationship with God, and I was bitter, I was like, man, these I felt abandoned. I was like, these dudes would rather just do this than this? Like it made me really mad. And I'm at the heart of my heart, I was like, why are you even wasting your time? These people are wicked. They don't want to hear God's word. Let them be. And man, I was ripped up when I realized when I heard Ryan and Victoria's heart on the Art Institute. I was like, dang. What have I been looking at like what have I, what have I been like seeing these people as like as just people or like as souls like these are their souls and so man yeah, when Paul looked out at the city, he saw souls, and the thing that drove him wasn't uh, wanting to be seen the thing that drove him was wanting to to win these souls and so um, Man, there's a lot of other stuff, but I'm going to skip down. So as his manner was, Paul was a man after God's heart. And, you know, uh, seeing, um, key point number three, seeing the world with compassion uh, comes with having God's heart. When you have God's heart, you see the world through the eyes of God with, with a compassion that desires to see them saved. And so, in conclusion, I'm, I'm wrapping up now. Uh, we get so easily caught up in the business of ministry, uh, we can start to see it as a career path. We see it as some kind of ladder to climb, um, some promotion to be won, or a reputation to be built and, and protected, right? Um, and I know that a ton of my walk, if I'm being honest with you, like I'd probably say the majority of my walk so far has been built around this idea of trying to be good enough, not for God, not to, not to prove myself to God, but to be good enough for the people that are leading me or the, to be good enough for the people that are following me or to the people that, my peers, whatever. And man, attempting in my flesh to gain a godly reputation has resulted in so much depression in my life, so much defeat and so much uh, disunity between brothers um, because I'm trying in my flesh to do something that only God can do uh, through me. And uh, I know as a, a young adult ministry, a college and young adult ministry, I can only assume that most of us here at tom, some point have struggled with our identity and with, with wanting to be accepted. It's a natural human desire to want to be accepted of people. And so you form your whole life around what you think people will accept and like what Brian Clark talked about over Mission Focus, you can do so much in the flesh. And then at the end of the day, you get to the point where you think is going to be the goal. And God doesn't even want it. And you're like, shoot, did I just waste seven years of my life? Yep. <laughs> you did. <laughs> you absolutely did. <laughs> like, in terms of you working in your flesh. Man, like, what God could have done in my life if I hadn't been so focused on myself. Um... Man. Some of you guys might be thinking right now, man, I don't know who I am and I don't have a new identity. God gave us a new identity when we accepted him as our Savior. When he came and, and lived the perfect life, died the sin that we deserve, died the, the punishment for our sin that we deserve to die, right? Uh, he gave us a new life. He gave us in Romans four it says that he we were buried with him and risen and he gave us a new identity. And some of you guys might be thinking like, hmm, I have not met Jesus in that way. I don't have an identity in Christ. And all, all, outside of Jesus Christ, all you do have is your best attempts to build an identity that you hope people will accept. That's your best bet. Man, lay that down. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. Gain a new identity And a new purpose that's not selfish, that's not self-centered, and that's not fleeting. It doesn't change on a weekly basis. Gain an identity in Christ that's eternal, right? Do you guys know who Nicholas Zinzendorf is? That was my hope, (laughs) is that you didn't know who this dude was. I did not know about this dude until actually... You know, okay, yeah. So I, Some people I know have, have heard of this guy, right? Um, my wife actually was scrolling through Instagram and saw this quote, and I was like, it just wrecked me. We were just driving in the car. She, said, she was like, oh, this is a cool quote. And I was like, pfft. <laughs> uh, he said, you ready? Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. That hurt? That hurt me. I hurt my feelings. I was like, but well, I kind of want to be remembered for, like, something. That kind of hurts. But that's the reality is, like, this reputation that you, you think is so important, that you think, like, man, if I don't do these things, like, they're not ever going to promote me. I got to start doing this, and I got to start, you know, doing this, reading my Bible so that they promote me, so that I can preach. Uh, dude, we're going to get forgotten. You, at least, I mean, I know at least a hundred percent in a, if God tarries, in a thousand years, literally nobody is going to know my name, (laughs) even my family. I don't know anybody six generations back from me. Give it like 200 years, no one's going to remember my name, even in my own family. So I might as well at least leave behind something that's going to last longer than my name will. Right? It hurt my feelings when I heard that. But it, it really made me realize what I was finding important. My reputation doesn't matter. If the worship team wants to come back up, we're going to close in a little bit of worship. And my call to you guys is to, to just ask yourself, what... Fill in that blank, as as his or her manner was, they were about what? Uh, what what is your life so con- we hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times, and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.